A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lippincott resources, visit amsa.org WK. Medicine requires good leaders. Are you one? What if you aren't? Welcome to AMSA AdLib. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. We've all heard that leaders aren't born, they're made. But who makes them and how? What is leadership really? In this episode, Dr. Deborah Hall asks Dr. Suzanne Rose, Senior Associate Dean for Education at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine, to provide some advice for med students who want to become physician leaders. Here's Dr. Hall. So as we get started, I think in order to set a baseline for our conversation, I would love to hear you talk about how you define leadership. So you're asking me to define leadership, and I'm finding that a very challenging question. And, you know, I like to read a lot. Now, you know I like stories and I like quotes. And John Quincy Adams had said something like, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. And I always kind of adhere to that. It's really all about inspiration. It's uh, really about collaboratively Uh, thinking about what a mutual purpose is and setting a vision and engaging others in that vision and then in the execution of that vision. I think a lot of good leadership relates to self-awareness and knowing yourself and really perceiving others around you. So I think a good leader would have good emotional intelligence. And probably one of the most important factors for me is strong integrity. And uh, for me, it's always by, uh, about living uh, by a core set of principles and really being immutable. Like certain things like truth and, and not lying and not cheating are, are just so important, not cutting corners, which I tell the students all the time. And if you adhere to that core set of principles with, with flexibility in other ways, because you have to be flexible as well, I think people will trust you they will know that when you ask for feedback, you're really interested in it and that you will consider it. And they know that when you're responsible for a decision, that that decision will take into account everything. And it might be an unfavorable decision, uh, you know, based on how a person might feel about whatever that decision is. But I think people will know that it, and trust that it was made with thought and with careful consideration. There's a lot more to leadership that is just so hard to put into one package because I also I see it as something that is teachable and can be learned. It, it's not necessarily inborn, although I think certain people will have certain traits that will enable them to be great leaders. I think that service uh, to the community, to others, is, is part of being a great leader. I think that inclusion and diversity, bringing folks in, creating a multi-generational group and understanding the values of the different generations is really important. And I think part of being a a leader are are two other really important factors. One is being a great role model and always uh, performing as a role model. And the other is being a mentor and and also a mentee because no matter where you are in your career, you're being mentored and you can be a mentor. Uh, But mentoring has to be a piece of it because you have to you're also responsible, you have to train the next generation of leaders. But as a student leader, as you grow into your leadership positions, just remember that you don't need just one mentor. You're gonna have mentors that will fulfill 
uh, needs and help you along the way. And the other piece is there's a little bit of a difference between a mentor and a coach. A coach can uh, give you that specific feedback, ob observe you, maybe even uh, talk to others that are working with you uh, to be able to help you make changes that will make you more effective. Don't be afraid of that feedback and don't be afraid to reach out for mentors. Uh, sometimes somebody that you wish could be a mentor, it's just not the right time for them to do that, to spend the time with you, and that's okay. Go again, try somebody else. Um, people are so willing to try to help students uh, advance in their career. So just, you have to go out and make that effort. It's not going to just come to you. There's a wonderful article that appeared in Academic Medicine in 2009 that talks about the responsibility of the mentor versus the mentee. The responsibility is really on the mentee to make sure that meetings happen, that connections continue. And so um, make sure that you, are, you do that deliberately because that's really important. Thank you for that. The next question I have then would be, why do you think that having leadership experiences is so important for students? Why do you consider that to be a valuable part of medical education? Well, I think first of all, students have to recognize that they can be impactful within internally and also externally. And it's a great way to meet new people and to also have an impact. I'm all about thinking about making a difference. And you can make a difference at home, but you can also make a difference by being involved and learning what other communities are experiencing, what other students are experiencing. So students are the future of medicine and uh, we'll continue all the traditions that my generation and generations before me have put forward, but in a different way, related to the healthcare environment, the health system, related to the generational values of, of the generation, and related to the advancement of science. So. Uh, students have to be able to inspire others, they, their peers and those that will come behind them. They have to learn those traits to be leaders. Uh, they have to encourage people to get involved and to act and to, and to really think about making a difference, whether it's in the political arena, whether it's advocating for science, for patients, for education. As, you know, as students develop into professionals, they're already professionals when they arrive here. They're, students are our colleagues. But as they continue on their pathway uh, into the profession, they're going to need that skill set and the strength to advocate for themselves, for others, for their colleagues, and also for social justice. So you can be a leader from within, but it's also great to get involved and to know the organizations that are able to help you make a difference by putting you in touch with students from all over the country and even all over the world. So it's clear that you place a lot of value on leadership, both for yourself and for your students. And I guess what I'm curious to know is, have you always felt this way? Have you always placed this level of value on having these experiences? So I think you know I started my career as a high school teacher, and it was challenging. It was really challenging to be close in age to my students. And in one case, I actually have to tell you I was younger than one of my students. And I learned kind of early from that experience that it wasn't about age or authority, but it was about leadership. And that was before I ever even entered medicine. And I thought about that a lot. I thought about how I could set the stage and set the tone for how I wanted students to progress in a classroom. So setting goals and objectives, expectations, that's all part of the educational process and part of being an educator. 
But the whole piece of setting a vision and then holding others accountable as they join you in, that, in, in the management of that vision uh, was something that I had to learn about as I progressed in my medical career. So I view myself as coming through a time in medicine when most of the leaders and my role models were men. And I think that's still true to a great extent. If you look around in medicine and you look at the data, women still are not advancing into those leadership positions. And you know, it was challenging at times to find my voice as a leader. And so for me, it has always been um, really the, the one characteristic of leadership, and I've been through several leadership training programs as well, is the characteristic of moral courage combined with really, really good communication that uh, can lead to success as a leader. So, and uh, also I think the other piece is engendering trust. So did I always uh, believe in leadership as part of, uh, of medicine? I, I think so. I think, I think I brought that from my educational experience as a teacher in the high school arena. And as I went through medicine, whether it was taking care of patients, whether it was taking care of educational programs, even organizing research or presenting research, I felt that uh, leadership skills were really important in order to advance uh, success and also to help others and to make that difference. So I'd say that it's pretty, pretty much been a part of my path, but uh, throughout my path, my personal path, I've recognized it more and more. As an example, I'm now participating as a lead faculty mentor in the AAMC's program uh, to advance leadership and to promote leaders. I'm also a co-creator of um, the Future Leaders Program for the American Gastroenterological Association, where we have taken a young cohort, a cohort of young leaders, um, paired two young uh, leaders, future stars, with uh, seasoned mentors, and we have a, a, a program that's longitudinal for leadership development. So I think it's actually something that throughout my career I'm thinking more seriously about and actually thinking more programmatically that, that we really need to develop programs and really be purposeful in developing our future leaders. So what do you think are some of the ways then that the schools and the programs benefit from this student leadership? So that's a really great question. So first of all, our, leader, our, our students are amazing. They come from very diverse backgrounds, uh, and that's in all sorts of ways. We have uh, students here who are you know, great poetry writers, or dancers, musicians, um, have uh, participated in varsity sports, and have been leaders in other arenas, not, not just in, in science and in, in medicine. And so I think that the students bring a perspective of, um, that's very unique to many of our committees. So we have students on just about every committee here. We're struggling with students on the committee that promotes students into the next phase. And we're actually, it's the one committee where there, there are no students on that committee. But we've done some research. Many schools have students on that type of committee. And we are bringing that for discussion here uh, to say that the student perspective about their peers is something that would be very important in that meeting. But we have students that participate in our admissions committee, in our curriculum reform committees, in our um, curriculum, you know, our undergraduate medical education curriculum committee. We have students that participate in our confidential help uh, program for students that might need uh, some additional help related to uh, substance abuse. Um, we have students that are on committees related to events like commencement or the white coat ceremony. In fact, we've tried to adopt 
a paradigm where the students kind of take over. So we've changed our white coat ceremony quite a bit over the past few years, where it's really, it's really student-centric. And the students tell us what they want in that ceremony, what they benefited from, uh, from their own ceremony as they create a ceremony for the incoming class. Um, and we have students that do wonderful things like prepare a uh, memorial service uh, for the cadavers, for those who gave this incredible gift for their learning. So the students add a perspective, they add a creativity, they add some information and feedback for us, things that we may not be thinking about. Sometimes we don't always consider balance issues or times of committees and things like that, that the students are very honest and open about, and it opens up a discussion that can impact many different, uh, many different areas. You know, as an example, uh, we really struggle with what time to have committee meetings because students are in class and some of the third-year students can't get here, but yet we have junior faculty, some of whom have young children at home who don't want to stay till 6 or 7 o'clock in meetings. And so um, having the student perspective and the students' needs versus the junior faculty versus the senior, senior faculty discussion led to other discussions that really impacted other things like the educational program. So one of the questions that we often hear is, what are some ways that students can generate support or buy-in from their faculty or administrators who may not already see the value of students having these kinds of experiences? What sort of advice could you give for that? So that's a great question. I think part of that also has to do with the infrastructure of the faculty and the leadership administration. One of the things that I've tried to do, because I know sometimes all of us have very strong opinions, and certainly I do about certain things, is to have a team approach so that, uh, and we do, we have team meetings every week. Our uh, UME leadership team is seven people that meet uh, for an hour and a half once a week. And if, if an issue comes up, something like this, and somebody has an opinion, uh, about, well, the student asked to do this, but I don't think they should do it. They should be focusing on their studies. What do you think? It opens up a discussion amongst the faculty and what is our, what is our value here and what is, our, what is our purpose? So the one thing I would say is on the student's responsibility is to make sure it's the right time to get involved. And sometimes, sometimes they're better than others. So if you're struggling academically, maybe that's not the time to ask for some time out to do other things. Maybe, um, maybe the focus has to be on the academics, and when you're ready, then you can get involved. If you're getting involved in the third-year clerkships in a traditional sort of curriculum, that's time when you're immersed with patients, and it's hard to have that responsibility to patients, and sometimes the timing might not be right. So once the student asks those kinds of questions, do I want to do this? Why do I want to do this? And they're sure they want to do it, do it, and they're sure that the time is right, then my advice is to be tenacious but with respect. So what do I mean by that? It's because it's hard. I mean, the student uh, is always worried about kind of being argumentative or controversial. Um, just make sure you're heard. And don't complain uh, because that's not really helpful. You can uh, make a statement that you're unhappy with a decision or a thought, but come with a solution to every problem. And if you're the kind of student that, that comes with uh, feedback, which I think you know administrators like to hear, but sometimes it's very tough for the deans to hear those kinds of things or the course directors. But if you come with solutions, even if they're not going to be workable solutions, even the fact that you thought of a solution, that will help. So in this case, if you think about the impact of what your role might have and how it might benefit the school, that to me is, is a solution. So, you know, students are like super creative. And I would view the School of Medicine as, as really a community within the school. 
And one of the things that may help is if the, the students, I think it makes a difference if uh, the students are really valued within that community as contributors. Because I think that that's something where the rest of the institution, whether it's staff, whether it's the hospital cafeteria staff, the library staff, the hospital nurses, if they can see the students as helping out, and I think if the teachers and the administration can see the impact that students can have in their local community, that just imagining the impact they could have as they go externally could be mind-boggling. So those are kind of, uh, kind of the uh, nitty-gritty can-do things. Make sure the time is right. Um, make sure that you foster an environment of community where you're valued in your own community so that you can say the value will translate as I go external. And be tenacious, but uh, with that comes a responsibility to also bring solutions. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us about these things. I guess my, my last question would be, do you have any final words of wisdom that we haven't talked about yet that you want to make sure you share with our listeners? So the one thing I didn't add, uh, it would be remiss of me if I didn't add this, is, is you can't be afraid to fail as you go out and be a leader. Um, you have to be able to apply for, let's say, a chair position or a president of a society or you know, a chair of a committee or something like that and not get it. Um, I've, uh, throughout my career, I've applied for things several times when I started out in the GI societies to be on committees and things like that. And, uh, you know, at, at first you might not get on that committee, but if you show um, that you're willing to work hard and you live up to the responsibilities and you carry through those responsibilities, even from the outside, you can still help by, by being an ad hoc member or contributing, sending a message sometimes and saying, hey, I have an idea for your committee. Eventually, you will get on those committees. So part of success is, is failure and learning how to be resilient and to keep on trying. And it's not a failure of leadership. It's, uh, it's really just part of the process. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think it's such an important message for us to hear. Obviously, embracing that sort of risk for failure is not really built into the path to medical school. So I think it's valuable for us to see and hear our leaders and mentors embracing that. And I think you have to share those failures. You know, we recently had applied for a grant and didn't get it. On the second try, we got the, the grant. But it's it's okay to go out in front of in front of, of folks and be transparent and say, we tried. I'm really proud of you all for trying. We'll try again. And uh, and to show that you're not ashamed of failure, that it's just part of the process, and that you're going to learn from it. You're going to get the feedback for why you were not successful and think about it. And... Um, maybe kind of morph your direction a little bit so that next time you have a greater chance for success. The other thing that we didn't talk about is really having uh, deliberate goals and objectives for yourself, which can change. You, they don't have to, if the goals and objectives you make today don't have to be the same ones that are in your plans for two years from now. But sometimes setting those goals and objectives, whether they're leadership goals or strategic goals or whatever they are, uh, will give you a framework to develop a strategy to be able to accomplish them. And that is something that I had to learn. Um, and I continue to, to learn how to do that and get feedback on that. But it's very important. Um, and even when I take on a leadership position, which I did recently on the governing board of the AGA, I uh, developed a plan for myself for what I wanted to accomplish in that time period. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we did do is we uh, developed the first 
ever uh, subspecialty uh, society or academy of educators. And that was, that was really my plan for my leadership, because you want to make your mark, and you want to have something to make that difference. So think about it. Think about how you're going to make that difference. Sometimes your plans will work out. You have to be flexible enough to change direction if, for some reason, there aren't resources to make that happen or there's not interest. But at least think about it. Dr. Rose, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk today and for your commitment to supporting student leaders. It's really appreciated. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. I always love uh, talking with you and so proud of you and your many accomplishments. Do you have what it takes to become a leader in medicine? AMSA depends on dedicated student leaders to devote their time and passion to lead the organization to success and to make a difference in medicine. Apply today to join AMSA's team of national leaders. Applications close March 26. Visit AMSA.org for more details. AMSA Adlib was brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself with help from Sandy Friday. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Deborah Hall is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lipicot resources, visit amsa.org WK.